This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Good morning, South Africa. I believe my voice is strong and vibrant because the life of God is working in my body, keeping me strong and healthy. And uh, I believe I have a strong, healthy voice. Praise the Lord. All right. So this is Time to Refresh Our Faith, part four in our series. And uh, we'll be starting with 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. If you want to go there. While you're turning in your Bibles, so proud of you for coming to church this morning and all of you in overflow rooms as well. This is going to be a great message. You're going to love it. Very helpful. Very informative. Very beneficial. All right, we found 1 Peter 5, 7. The Bible said, Casting all your care upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Not some of your cares, but all of your cares. Okay? The same verse in Amplified said, Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, look at this, the whole of your care, put a circle around care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all time, on him, the Lord, for he cares about you affectionately and he cares about you watchfully. So he's watching over you and he's affectionately concerned about us. So he said, give me your problems, please. I'll take care of them. All right, so how do we do that? That's the subject of our message today. How to give our cares and worries to the Lord and leave them there. Please go to Matthew 6.25. Open your Bible, Matthew 6.25. Shouldn't be too difficult to find. Jesus said, so I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, or clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your Heavenly Father feeds them and you are far more valuable to Him than the birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies, how they grow. They don't work nor make their clothing. Yet Solomon, all his glory, was not dressed like as beautifully as the lilies. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith. So don't worry about having enough food or drink, or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? 
your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Say that, my heavenly Father already knows all my needs. That's comforting. And he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So Jesus said we must make the kingdom of God our primary concern. Now, how do I do that, by the way? How do I make the kingdom of God my primary concern? Jesus is telling us, you take care of the things that are important to me to grow the kingdom, like win souls, make disciples, bring people to church. Disciple each other. Have you discipled somebody this year yet? Are you discipling? Who are you discipling? Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of everybody. Are we obeying that commandment? He wants to fill heaven with souls. He doesn't want more people in hell than there are in heaven. Seems like it's going to be that way. But he doesn't want it. He wants everybody to be saved. Amen? So, put God's work first. Verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow. All right, Psalm 34, verse 19. Let's go there, Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Jesus is saying the devil will attack us, but he'll protect us and deliver us every time. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. The same verse from the New Living Translation says, you'll keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now, how do I fix my thoughts on God so that I can have perfect peace? Obviously, I must fix my thoughts on God's word. That's how I fix my thoughts on God. And if I do that, I will have perfect peace. All right? Now, go to Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. He didn't say, come to me, all of you that are weary, carry heavy burdens. I want you to know that this is a trial from me, so be strong now and bear it. No. He said, I'll give you rest. I will take your burdens. That's what he's saying. Second Timothy 1.7. Go there. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love 
and of a sound mind. So God has not given us a spirit of fear. He doesn't want us to worry and be afraid. It's not from God. But he's given us a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. Now we can clearly see from these scriptures that worry and fear is not of God. I've given you a whole bunch of scriptures to show you that worry and fear don't come from God. In fact, the Bible tells us that worry is a sin. Worry is a sin. Because worry opens the door to the devil and bites the devil into our lives. In fact, worry is faith in what the devil might do to us. So that worry is faith in what the devil might do to me. Worry and fear shut the door on God's help for our lives. Let's say that. Say this. Worry and fear shut the door on God's help for our lives. We can see these truths clearly in the life of Job. So please turn to Job in your Bible because we are going to stay in Job for quite a while and you're going to write in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you today, you are going to be very, very sorry. Get a pen out. This is going to be very helpful to you. So make sure you write this in your Bible. You ready? Job chapter 1. Job 1, verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Job was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. A man of complete integrity. Wow, imagine God saying that about you or me. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. Got that? Seven sons, three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep. That's a lot of sheep, 7,000. 3,000 camels. That's a lot of camels. 500 teams of oxen. That's a lot of oxen. And 500 female donkeys. And he employed many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Now, interestingly enough, God put all that in the Bible to show us how rich he was. Why did God do that? Because God wants us to know that he gave that to Job, that God is a blesser, a provider. He wants us to know that about him. Verse 8. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. Wow, what a nice person. Imagine God saying that about us. The finest man in all the earth. A man of complete integrity. He fears God and he will have nothing to do with evil. What a testimony. And that's coming from God himself.
Now here is an interesting point. Why would God ask the devil a question like that? Have you noticed my servant Job? Have you noticed him? Bringing attention to this wonderful man. Why would God do that? We'll answer that in a few moments. I'd like you to have that question foremost in your thinking. Verse 9. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, Job fears God, but not without good reason. You have always protected Job and his home and his property from harm. Please take note of that. Here, the devil acknowledges that God protected Job, uh, his house, his property, and everything that he owns. Amazing. That's what the devil said. You have always protected Job and his home and his property from all harm. You have made him prosperous. You made him prosperous. And everything he has, you gave him. Look how rich he is. Can you imagine that? This is the devil's testimony. This is the devil, Satan, acknowledging that God prospered Job. Say this, even the devil knows that God prospers us. All right. So notice God protected Job and God prospered Job. All right. Verse 12. All right, you may test him. You may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Now notice that God said, you can test him and do whatever you want with everything he has, but don't harm him. Now why would God let the devil know that he may tempt Job? Question, why would God tell the devil that he may test Job? I'm going to answer that question as well. So remember, we want to have answers to these questions. All right, but also pay notice of this, that Job knew nothing about this conversation. Job knew nothing about the fact that God is saying to the devil, you can now go and test Job. All right? Job knew nothing about that. Remember that. All right, so now we have two questions we want answered, right? Take careful note of the methods that the devil uses to attack Job now. When these calamities come to Job's life, he didn't realize it's the devil, and most Christians don't realize when problems like this comes that it's the devil, all right? So take careful note of how Satan will attack Job. Job 1.13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were dining at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. The oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the sea beans raided us, 
they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. All right, so notice this. That's Satan at work, all right? He sent raiders to steal Job's animals and to kill Job's servants. Satan did that. He sent raiders to do it, other people, terrorists, hijackers, whatever. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven. What's that? Lightning. And burned up your sheep and all your shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. So here, the servant says, lightning came down from heaven and burned up all your sheep. And I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. In other words, your servants were killed and the sheep were killed by lightning. And here, this servant tells Job, it's the fire of God. What does he know? It's got nothing to do with God. It's lightning, but the devil did it. Clearly, Satan did that. Satan used lightning to burn up the sheep and kill Job's servants. And the servant told Job, God did it. It's God's lightning. Can you believe that? Because he doesn't know. And people think when lightning strikes, it's an act of God. No, it's not an act of God when bad things happen from lightning. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. And I'm the only one who's kept to tell you. Here again, some other raiders came, thieves, bandits, and they stole all your camels and they killed your servants. And I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. So clearly, once more, this is Satan at work, not God, nothing to do with God. And it's not an accident either. It's the devil's work. All right, verse 18. While he is still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The sons and daughters, your sons and daughters, were feasting in the oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the desert and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Here again, the wind came from the desert and killed his children, blew the house down. So hurricanes, tornadoes that kill people, it's not God. This is Satan's work, family. We have to recognize the devil's work in our lives. Otherwise, how can we resist him if we think God did it? 21. And Job said, Naked I have come from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So remember, Job wasn't there when God and the devil had that discussion. 
Job knows nothing about that. He doesn't know that Satan did it. So he blames God. And that's what happens so often today. Job thought God took all these things away. All right. I remind you of our questions. Question number one is from Job chapter 1, verse 8. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man on all the earth, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and will have nothing to do with evil. The first question is, why did God bring Job to the devil's attention? Question number two. All right, this is now Job 1 verse 12, right? Question number two, Job 1 verse 12. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. So the second question is, why would God tell him he can go and tempt Job? Let's find the reason for these calamities, these problems in Job's life, and let's find the reason for why God said that to the devil about Job. All right, for the answer, go to Job 3, verse 25. You need to look at this in your Bible, please. This is imperative. Job chapter 3 and verse 25. This is what Job says. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. So Job said all these problems that we've just read about were things he greatly feared would happen. You got it? The things I've greatly feared have now happened. Clearly, when Job said this, we can see that Job is no longer believing that God would protect him. If he believed God was protecting him, he wouldn't be afraid like this about these problems coming to his life. He wouldn't be thinking about it. But now he's paranoid about these things happening to him. Why? Because he's no longer trusting God to protect him. He's not believing in God's protection anymore. So we can see that fear and worry opened the door to the devil, and it didn't end there. It did not end there. Listen to the next verse. Verse 26. Job says, I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. I'm, I have no rest. I have no peace, because trouble's coming. Job says, if you think that's bad, what's coming is worse. I have no peace, no rest. The worst is still to come. Unbelievable. 
What else can happen? What else can happen to poor man? He's got nothing left. All right. I'm not at ease. I'm not quiet. I have no rest for trouble's coming. More trouble's coming. So, secondly, Job believed evil things were coming and more was coming. Because of Job's fears and his bad confessions, Job's fears and his bad confessions, because of that, God had to let the devil know that the angels, the wall of angels that were protecting Job no longer existed. There were no fiery angels with drawn swords around Job's property any longer because of Job's fears and Job confessing these fears. We can't confess our fears, family. It destroys our faith, robs us of God's protection, and allows the devil to attack us at will. So the angels are no longer there. Satan was not aware of this. Why would the devil not be aware of the fact that the angels are gone? Well, obviously, he got tired of going around to Job's house. He got tired of attacking Job and got beat up by those fiery angels. So he decided just not to go there anymore. Then one day, God speaks to him and says, Hey, we've been down at Job's house for a while. So Satan had to learn that fear and bad confessions by men would open the door and allow the devil to attack man. He didn't know that in the beginning. Satan didn't know everything about how faith works in the life of people. He had to see it happen, and then he figured it out. Satan didn't know that. Remember, Job was probably the first book ever written in the Bible. And Job lived in the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob around that time. So Job was probably the first book of the Bible ever written. And uh, before Genesis was written. Yes, Genesis was written by Moses, but Job was probably written before Moses wrote the book Genesis. Anyhow, so this happened so long ago in history that the devil had not figured out all these issues, and God had to bring that to his attention, because God had to, because God is God. All right, in Job 42, verse 5 and 6, Job repented. Job repented. Then he prayed for his friends. Job 42.10. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. So notice this, that God gave back Job all he had and twice as much. God did it. God did it. Family, we must understand, God's blessings are abounding. His protection is without fail if we will keep a watch on these words of ours. This is our biggest problem. This empowers God or it empowers the devil. We choose. 
Life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's up to you. We're talking about refreshing our faith. This is very important. We're dealing with how to cast these worries of ours, these cares of ours, these fears of ours, once and for all on the Lord. So let's go to Philippians 4.6. We can't talk about this subject without dealing with Philippians 4 verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When you ask God for something, make sure you thank him for having done it. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Once we start thanking God for hearing and answering our prayers, his peace will guard us and protect our heart and mind. Eight. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. All those things in verse 8 are actually found in the Bible. So verse 8 is saying, when to meditate on the good things of the Scriptures. Verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul is saying, you saw me living out the Scriptures. If you'll do that, God will be with you. There are four things that we need to do continually in order to ensure God keeps the problems away and continues working on them for us on our behalf. There are four things that we need to do. This is how we give our problem to the Lord and make sure he keeps them and we don't take them back. Of course, problems are like sticky tape. You can put it down, you turn around, you find out it's still stuck in your hand. Problems are like that. We've got to put them down and leave them with God, right? So what we learned today, at the end of everything we learned, in conclusion, there's four points. Write these points down. This is, in a nutshell, what we learned today. You ready? Number one, pray, ask God to take care of your problem. Pray and ask God to take care of your problem. Give it to him. That's it, number one. Whatever you ask him for in faith or whatever problem you might have, say, Father, this is my problem. I ask you to fix it and solve it. In the name of Jesus, all right? Do that. Give it to him. Number two, praise him because we believe it is in his hands. So, Father, I thank you because I believe you've got this. I praise you because I believe you have got this. It's not my problem anymore. You're taking care of this. It's in your hands. Praise him. But number three, think on the good things found in the scripture. So find scriptures that comfort us and assure us that God has got our problem and he's dealing with it. 
Got it? Find scriptures that comfort us and assure us that God has got our problem and that he's dealing with. Keep those scriptures and keep thinking on those. Number four, the result will be the God of peace will be with you and keep you. The God of peace will be with you and keep you. You'll have peace in your heart to know that all is well. You'll have the peace of God. All right? Do those four things right now. If you have a problem, take your pen and write it. Write out your problem on a card, a piece of paper, in the back of your Bible somewhere. Write out your problems right now. Go ahead. We're going to pray. Write it out in shorthand, quickly. Don't have much time. Now, hold your problem up to the Lord. Say, Father God, I give this problem to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to solve it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I believe you have taken care of this. I praise you in Jesus' name. I praise you in Jesus' name. It's your problem, not mine. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, keep that problem with the Lord. Don't take it back by just simply looking at the promise and praising Him because you know He's taking care of it. And if a devil comes knocking at your door, he comes knocking at your door, he says, hey, I want you to think about this problem. When you open the door, you see it's him. Say, sorry, Mr. Devil. This is the praising department. The problem solving department is upstairs with God. He's got those problems. Come to the wrong department. Go and knock on the door upstairs. This is the praising department. Don't listen to him. We keep our mind focused on the Lord and the Word. If you start thinking about that problem, come right back to you. It's going to come right back to you. You can't focus your mind on the problem and expect to walk in God's peace. Say that. I can't focus my mind on the problem and expect to walk in God's peace. Because Isaiah, Isaiah 26.3 says, you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on God's Word. Praise His name. All right, family. That's the end of part four. Now, part five, next weekend. These are powerful life lessons. Don't miss next weekend, part five in our series on time to refresh our faith. We love you so much. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many would say, Apostle Theo, I need to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. Can you pray for me? Yes, I can. While the heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you want to be sure you're going to heaven, when I count to three, slip that hand up. I'll see it, and Jesus will see it, and I'll include you in my prayer. 
and you'll receive an assurance in your heart today from God that you will go to heaven. Are you ready? All right. I am counting. Slip those hands up. One, two, three. Praise God. Praise the Lord. All right, keep those hands raised now. Somebody's coming to put their hand on your shoulders to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while we pray. Praise God. All right, keep those hands raised. Put your hands on their shoulders, leaders. All right, everybody, please say this little prayer with me. Everybody. Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place. You punished him for my sins so I can be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Please forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Save my life. Praise you, Lord. I believe Jesus is Lord of my life and I'll live for Jesus with all of my heart until I see him face to face. Praise God. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for cleansing me and accepting me as your child. Praise God I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.